I've always wanted to get as far away as possible from the place that I was born. Far both geographically and spiritually. To leave it behind. I took a walk through this beautiful world. Felt the cool rain on my shoulder. Found something good in this beautiful world. I felt the rain getting colder. Tangier, it's Morocco. But from 1923 through 1956, it was loosely governed by the major powers, an international zone. For years, it seemed, everything was permitted. Nothing was forbidden. At the northern tip of Africa, a short ferry hop from Spain, Tangier was a magnet for writers, remittance men, spies, and artists. If you were a bad boy of your time, you liked drugs, the kind of sex that was frowned upon at home, and an affordable lifestyle set against an exotic background, Tangier was for you. Nice. <laughs> Matisse, Genet, William Burroughs. Many have come this way, staying a while or hanging around. But no one stayed longer or became more associated with Tangier than the novelist and composer Paul Bowles. In works like The Sheltering Sky, he created a romantic vision of Tangier that persists even today, a dream that has become almost inseparable in the minds of many from reality. I'm here to find that dream city the place Burroughs referred to as Interzone. Tangier, like I said, was a city of expats. People with pasts people who simply didn't like where they were and craved somewhere and something else. The Grand Soco is the gateway to the Medina where you could find the Kasbah, which means fortress, by the way. The port of Tangier is to the east, and right in the middle of it all, the Petit Soco. What Uncle Bill Burroughs called the last stop, the meeting place, the switchboard of Tangier. Reasons for settling in Tangier diverge, but everyone, sooner or later, since the beginning of memory, comes to Café Tingis. Jonathan Dawson came to this city over 20 years ago as a journalist, and he never left. He lives a life not too distant from Burroughs' fantasy. Cake and tea at four every day, served by his manservant. 
He may not have a gazelle, but a pet rooster will do. And every day he makes the rounds of the cafes, seeing all the old faces, ending up sooner or later here. So this is the Petit Socco? This is the Petit Socco, yeah. This Socco existed in Phoenician times, it existed in Roman times, it existed in the Portuguese times. The English were here for 22 years. Then the international city until 1956, and now it's completely Morocco. But this is a very historic square, very historic. As a writer, um, I've noticed everybody who comes here to do an article does the same article. Well, it's so damn boring. They all do pole bowls of the beat generation. <laughs> And uh, there, are, there are lots of other stories in Morocco apart from that. But, but everyone likes the beats, Bill Burrows and all that stuff, and Tennessee Williams, and uh, they were all here. Yeah. Uh, but that's a small part of Moroccan history. That's a 15-year period. There was, there's a life before that and a life after that. You're here. Yeah. <laughs> it was inevitable. <laughs> Let's pretend that those guys never came. What is, what, is, what is this place? Well, the reality is if you can read a Paul Ball story, and you can live it. And the people do come here and try and live it, but they don't stay very long. Right. They smoke a bit of dope, and they live in a cheap hotel, and they go home with bed bugs. Right. That's and another a great life. story. And a great story. But I mean, the attitude here is different than other parts of Morocco. Uh, I think they have a higher uh, tolerance and tradition of a bad or, or, or outrageous behavior. They have a higher tolerance of mad people, you know? Uh, but the Moroccans essentially are very tolerant people. They quite like madness and, as, as well. They kind of celebrate that a bit, you know. How Moroccan is Tangier? It's a Moroccan city with a European outlook. You know, you can stand up on the boulevard, you can see Spain and Gibraltar. So you see all sorts of people passing through, but it's a very Moroccan city. I, as, I'm 62 years old. I didn't know it in the international days, which finished in 50, 1956. But at that time, I think Europeans may have outnumbered Moroccans in, in the center of this city. It's not the case now. There are very few Europeans actually living here full time. The notion of living a life apart, of, of uh, being somewhere else, um, there are those who, who, who like that feeling. Mm. I like that feeling. Um, and then there are those who, they may live apart, they may live somewhere else, but they're not entirely comfortable. It's the, 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 the difference annoys them or is a burden. It is and it frustrates them. Some people have to leave home to find their home. I'm one of those people. Uh, whereas I didn't feel at home in the country I was born in at all. But here I feel okay. I feel very, very happy here. There is indeed something special about this place. Burroughs described the native quarter of Tangier as a maze of sunless, twisting streets filled with blind alleys. Its smell was particularly notable to him, including a mix of hashish, seared meat, and sewage. Tangier, before anything else, is essentially a port city, with all the things that traditionally come with port cities. It's situated at the choke point between the Atlantic Ocean and the Mediterranean Sea. The Moroccan coast is a rich fishing ground, and a lot of people make their living from the sea. On shore, they use a method called senhal fishing, where weighted nets basically drag fish across the bottom of the sea. Some of that fish, the good stuff anyway, ends up here. Le Saveur de Poisson or Restaurant Populaire, or Popeyes, 
The place has got a lot of names, but locals and expats alike who've been coming here for years say it's got some of the best tagine in town. Mohamed Belhaj, the owner and head chef, is from the nearby Rift Mountains. And he sources a lot of his stuff, his produce and his greens from there. And he's real proud of them. The back room of the place is dedicated to sorting and drying various herbs, which he blends into a secret mix he claims has all sorts of helpful and boner-inspiring benefits. Look, if every dish I've been told over the years was going to make me strong worked, I'd have a permanent pup tent going on down there. So I take all that with a grain of salt. Hi. Hello. Hi. How are you? Belhaj's son, Hassan, delivers the food. It's olive. It all starts with fresh olives. They're in season now, and roasted walnuts. Some warm, very good bread. Squishy. Juice. Oh yeah, and you get this stuff. Everybody gets it. A pulpy puree of figs, raisins, strawberries. Drink. And full of Mohammed's potent herbs and spices, of course. All the night, 24 o'clock. Yeah, 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 I get it. It's supposed to make me more manly. You know what? I'm eating. Let's not talk about that, okay, sunshine? I got the What is a tagine, anyway? It's a traditional Moroccan stew that can include vegetables, meat, or fish. Tonight, baby shark, calamari, and monkfish with fresh mountain spinach. Slowly cooked over charcoal in the classic clay pot that gives it its name, the tagine's dome top is supposed to force the condensation back into the dish and keep it moist and tender. That's delicious. I think it's the, like these greens and aromatics and herbs. I have no idea what they are. I've never had anything like that. Tangier version of farm to table. Hi. Oh, hi. Good. Wow, what's that? Stairways grilled as Thank you. And a whole turbo, brushed with olive oil, salt and pepper, and some coriander, then grilled perfectly over the coals. Cuddled up next to the fish, tiny shark kebabs. Cute. Oh, wow. Spectacular. It's a good value. All of this for 20 bucks. I think we did a pretty good job on Mr. Fish. That'll teach you. It's like that guy would, you know, you're tripping and it goes like this to you. Hi. For dessert, strawberries, pine nuts, and honey. Like the whole meal, it's eccentric and delicious. Hello, thank you. You're welcome. I haven't had so much fruits and nuts since Altamont. I told Mick, I said, Mick, this is a bad crowd. He's back in the job. But he's like, oh, no, man, we can't disappoint the fans. Ah, memories. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. 
All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... Lately, we have been paying attention to a very different virus, bird flu, which is caused by the H5N1 virus. If you start to hear that it's circulating in pigs, that would be a concern. That means I would go from sleeping with one eye open to one and a half eyes open. Yeah, that would make me very concerned. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. In Tangier, I lived in one room in the native quarter. I had not taken a bath in a year, nor changed my clothes, or removed them, except to stick a needle every hour in the fibrous, gray-wooden flesh of terminal addiction. I never cleaned or dusted the room. Empty ampule boxes and garbage piled up to the ceiling. Light and water long since turned off for non-payment. I did absolutely nothing. I could look at the end of my shoe for eight hours. I was only roused to action when the hourglass of junk ran out. The words of William Seward Burroughs, one of my heroes. He came to Tangier in 1953, shortly after shooting his wife to death in a drunken accident in Mexico City. He was a heroin addict, a homosexual, and an inspiration to those proto-hipsters who came to be known as the Beats. Burroughs, however, was not a hipster. There was nothing beatnik about him. He was a somewhat stuffy, well-dressed St. Louis son of a good family. Gone wrong. He was also, to my mind, the greatest writer of the whole damn bunch. On the road, you can have it. His classic Naked Lunch was written here. A nonlinear, dark, dry-humored, searingly critical, satirical, and profane masterpiece. Burroughs was apparently high for much of the process. On heroin, or a locally available prescription opiate called Eucadol. And of course, the daily staple of many in these parts, hashish, keef, and majun. Hashish is the concentrated THC-rich resin of the cannabis plant, as well as varying amounts of its flowers and leaves that have been separated from the buds and compressed into sheet or brick-like form. Keef, a more local and indigenous product, is the part of the plant containing only the strongest concentration of psychoactive ingredients. Majun is a confection made from keef, fruits, nuts, chocolate, and honey. I was, of course, fascinated by this product since reading about it and inquired of some local contacts who shall necessarily go unnamed. How was it made? This was what I wanted to know. They were kind enough to demonstrate. 
Keith is first chopped into fine granules and then slowly added to melted butter and chocolate over a low heat to toast it and release the psychotropic goodies within. While the binder element of the majun is slow cooking in the pan, combination of spices are blended with cashews, almonds, walnuts, and dried fruit. This will be the framework to suspend the THC-laden goodness in the next step. The cannabis-laced butter chocolate is added, along with plenty of honey, to bind together all the ingredients. Then, mix. Last, you roll the entirety of the mixture into a ball and either refrigerate or dig right in. Of course, network standards and practices prohibit me from even tasting this delicious and reportedly mind-altering treat. I'm guessing, anyway. So until I see Chris John and Wolf doing bong rips in the Situation Room, I will, of course, abide by these rules. Because that's the kind of guy I am. There is one particular cafe in the heart of the Casbah that has drawn in foreign dignitaries, rock stars, aristocrats, and artists since it opened its doors in 1943. Cafe Baba. Sweet mint tea in a thick, slow-moving haze of smoke. It smells like my dorm room, 1972. Good evening. Hello. Hi, I'm George. This is George Bajalia and Zineb Benjaloun. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Welcome to Cafe Baba. I should say right now, I have no direct knowledge or awareness of either George or Zineb smoking any illegal substances, nor do I have any contemporaneous recollection at this time of me doing anything untoward in their presence. Because that would be, like, wrong, dude. Uh, some tea? George is here on a Fulbright scholarship, and Zineb is an artist from Rabat. Others in the room, however, well, don't give me that innocent look, you young punks. I know somebody in here smoking reefer. So, how stoned are people here? Uh, we can ask. <laughs> Just ask. Uh, you know, you're not getting totally ripped here. No. It's a functional part of daily life. For a long time, the rest of the country and the government didn't really like Tangier a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Because it was seedy, there were these foreigners who came here and did... The new king is... The new, the, 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 he likes Tangier. He likes. Yeah, it makes money. He sees it as a future economic superpower, as I understand it. He's yeah. talking condos, boutique hotels. Is that good or bad? For Moroccans, it's, uh, it's work, right. but of course, expats want to keep Tangier like they know it before. I mean, this cafe is very similar to the way it was, but there's a TV right there. Flat screen. And that's why a lot of people come here. They come to watch soccer games. You can well imagine the American guy who's lived in, in uh, Tangier for 30 years, okay? He comes in and there's a flat screen TV on the, on the wall. He's like, what the... You've ruined the authenticity and integrity. But the Moroccan guy at the next table, he's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, asshole, you have a flat screen TV at home. I want one too. What's wrong with that? Yeah, there are people here who've probably never heard of Paul Bulls. Right. If you only follow that, there's no progression, there's no progress, there's no change. The thing about Cafe Baba is that just sitting here, taking in the atmosphere, you begin to appreciate the place. There's something, something different is happening here. Contact high. Whoa, I'm hungry. Wait until the Spanish tortilla dude across the street opens for business. 
This is Abdullah. He specializes in making one thing, and he makes it well. An omelet. Well, it's actually more like a Spanish tortilla, but like stonier. The potatoes are boiled, diced, then mixed with beaten eggs and cooked in a cast iron skillet. Oh yeah, the eggs, the egg man. I am me and we are you and where's my omelet, dude? Cause I am hungry. Assalamu alaikum, One, two, three. Abdullah is just waiting for you, right when you come stumbling out of Cafe Baba. Coincidence or not, you be the judge. Ketchup and mayonnaise, everything. Ketchup and mayonnaise? Sure, why not? Condiment options, I will be hard-pressed to turn down at this precise moment anyway. Dude, that's awesome. I'll have 12 more. Paul Bowles lived in Tangier for over 50 years, and Sherry Nutting was part of his inner circle near the end of his life. She was his friend, record keeper of sorts, and photographer. You arrived when? I came in the 70s, but I went down to Marrakesh. Mm -hmm. And then in 86, I wrote a letter to Paul Bowles and said I had to meet him and take his picture. And he wrote back and he said, come and visit. Well, I never left. Like a lot of people came here to live that dream or to live that life. Uh, has the reality come to resemble his perception of the reality, or...? The Tangier that I see is Paul Bowles, and I still see it. I still feel it. You can still find the magic. The market, or souk in Tangier, is one of the best in all Morocco. The food stalls and vendors are still pretty impressive. Wander the markets long enough, and you're sure to stumble across the unexpected. Whose? Sure. How about a lamb's head? Here, nothing goes to waste. Charbroiled to crispy burnt perfection, the meat is scraped off and served on a crusty lunch bread. Not so adventurous, the Grand Soko's indoor market offers a variety of smoked, cured, and fresh meat. It smells good in here. This stuff looks good. Oh, I've heard this cheese is amazing. It's good, yeah. Um, could I have one? A Berber favorite, fresh goat cheese wrapped in palm leaves. Yeah, they're beautiful, aren't they? That's good. A little cheese, a little flatbread, the perfect Moroccan breakfast to go. We're headed into the Jabala foothills of the Rift Mountain Range, about 85 kilometers south of Tangier, to a place called Jejuka. The village is home to the people of the Al-Sharif tribe, which loosely translated means the saintly people. Jajuka is also home to one of Morocco's better-known musicians, Bashir Attar. Jazz and rock and roll musicians have traveled from all over the world to Jajuka to meet this guy. Bashir is part of a lineage of master musicians, all from this small mountain village. Ah, 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 
Famously dubbed as a 4,000-year-old rock band by William Burroughs, Bashir, his son, and these musicians maintain one of the oldest still-living musical traditions on earth. We're invited for dinner. It's family style, of course. Beginning with brewat, like a kefta pocket, hand-formed envelopes of dough filled with seasoned beef, baked until golden, then crisped in oil. Oh, we're good for now. <laughs> well, one more. Uh-oh, here we go. The main event: tagine of chicken. Yeah, welcome, Tony. Thank you. Just. Gorgeous. First, chopped onions, garlic, parsley, and turmeric are blended with olive oil. The bird is generously coated and stuffed. Then, after simmering in a touch of olive oil and water, the chicken is fried till crispy. Served with roasted almonds and olives, paprika, and ginger. Nice. He smells the food. Like anywhere else in the Arab world, eating with your hands, always the right one, is proper dining etiquette. This is special spinach of the Zuka. It's like wild spinach that grows in the mountains. Bokala is chopped mountain spinach, garlic, cilantro, hot and black peppers, finished with lemon and olive oil. That's delicious. Yeah. I heard you are the, 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 the greatest taste for food in the world, man. I love good food. No, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> After dinner, some fruit, some mint tea, and let the music begin. For centuries, the master musicians of Jujuka have been the musical choice of the royal families of Morocco. Excused by the country's rulers for manual labor to devote themselves to musical training. style of Sufi trance music has inspired many musical seekers, including most notably perhaps Paul Bowles, who wrote about them and recorded them and spread the word. Brian Jones was here and recorded the Pipes of Pan at Jajuka with these musicians. The word spread and the master musicians have ended up being featured on albums by Maceo Parker, Ornette Coleman and the Rolling Stones. For years, if you were a rock god, you had to come here. Dig the crazy percussion and strings and pipes that took you to another place. It's intricate, hypnotic, beautiful. And if you're in the right uh, frame of mind, 
mesmerizing. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. Anyone who comes to Tangier inevitably ends up lost in the old part of the city. The Medina is just what you want it to be. The ancient world residing just next to and around the new one. You can walk around inside the movie in your head, play the bogey character you never were, all against an all-too-willing, all-too-genuine backdrop. Ordinarily, just about the last thing in the world I'd be interested in doing is antiquing. But buried in the network of twisting, narrow streets of the old city is Boutique Majid, owned and operated and personally curated by this man, Abdel Majid Raiz Selfeni. Hello. How are you? And he is one interesting guy. Thank you. Come in. When he was a little kid back in the 60s, Majid left his hometown of Fez and came here where he'd earn a few dirham a night emptying ashtrays at the wild and extravagant parties being thrown here by wealthy expats. He saw what these people would buy for themselves and how they decorate their homes, and he started to look around for himself, scoring, then reselling, art and antiques. Wow. It became something of an obsession. Now his artifacts from Morocco and all across Northern Africa are bought by collectors from all over the world. Carpets, antiques, wood carvings, jewelry, and old doors. Wow, these are incredibly beautiful. Tell me about that. Amber, coral, shells. This used to be currency, this shell. How old is this? This is uh, early 20s, late 19s. The amber is millions of years old. How much are you selling this piece for? By, by weight. By weight? Yes, it's quite a heavy piece, this one, 429 grams. So it comes like uh, 42,000 dirhams. So that's how much in like, dollars? Uh, like almost 5,000. 5, About 5,000 dollars. Almost. So we look at another floor? Oh, yes, follow me. Yeah, there's a nice collection of uh, things from the Sahara. So you travel a, little bit. a lot? Not like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is uh, for pounding yes. uh, manioc? Yes, this is from uh, the Gon tribe from Mali. How much will this sell for, do you this, think? Around $300. Really? For this? That's very reasonable. Yes. I'll be buying that. Uh, that's going to be an old friend. Also memory. Of and a memory Tangier. of Tangier as well. Majid suggests lunch at Andalus, a locals-only place nearby. As a Moroccan, well, so many Westerners who come to Tangier come with a romantic notion of a Tangier they read about in books. Do people have a realistic expectation when they come here? Are they looking for Morocco or are they looking for this phantasm? No, no, it's, it is a phantasm. It is when you get here, you, uh, if you know Morocco, you, you feel that you're in Morocco, but you're not. 
There's a lot of Mediterranean touch to this town. And also the history, people hear story about Tangier, that it was like when I first came in the 60s, everybody said to me, you, can, you came late. Tangier was. <laughs> it's it's right. Now I'm saying the same thing as these young now, to, they come and they right. say, wow, I said. What was better about those days? Well, to see, for me at that time I was young and it was the boom of hippies. And uh, it was uh, the destination. Uh, you know, Coffee Papa, you meet Bob Dylan, you go here, catch Dylan. And the parties was going on. We, I missed this kind of parties. People fly from everywhere to the party. And they make the whole town move. Blue and white party, white and gold party, hat party. You know, it's amazing. And you see people coming with amazing hats, like a cage with a bird extravagant hats, you know, it's like people put so much energy and time into these parties, you know. Look at the... Uh, oh, now that looks good. Tomatoes brushed with local olive oil, garlic, and coriander. Liver kebabs, beef liver to be exact, grilled over charcoal. Oh, now that looks very nice. For fish, a bit of swordfish and some orange roughy. That is just beautiful. Mm. How do you like the tomato? Oh, oh, and the swordfish is amazing. Yeah. So how else have things changed? You saw how many tourists there was today? They were in a hurry. If they come to the shop, they even try to avoid your eye contact. They afraid if, I, if you get my eye contact, I'm going to uh, rip you off. Or, or make know. you buy something that they don't I mean, want to I don't know. I don't know. They have this... Yeah. Uh, do they buy? They don't even say hello. They don't buy. Of course. We call them penguin. They have short hands, they don't get to the pockets. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding. Tangier was in her zone back in the day. It seemed to some, I'm sure, as if the expats outnumbered the locals. That was never true. But you certainly could live a life apart. Make your own world within the existing one. Reinvent yourself and live entirely within a universe of your own creation. Far from the Grand Soco is a 14-acre estate owned by Christopher Gibbs, a well-known dealer of antiques and longtime expat. Today, he's having a garden party. Who's coming? Jonathan, you know. Maggie Dean is from Scotland. She's been living here for more than a decade. GP de Richemont, a Frenchman who has his hands on a lot of businesses, including a cafe and the Casbah. Years living in Tangier, unknown. Bianca Hamri, an American. She's been here forever led many lives, I gather, and occasionally translates books from Mugrabi to English. And the dashing and mysterious Baron de Coquita Gondarias, an artist from Chile who's been living and working in the Casbah since a hasty exit from Puerto Rico for reasons never fully explained. <laughs> On the menu, Bastilla. 
a meat or often pigeon pie, as traditional Moroccan as it gets. Today, made by Gibbs' full-time cooks, Jamila and Farama. In Bastia, the meat on this particular day is chicken, which is slow-cooked in broth and spices, pulled or shredded, and then folded into an egg mixture cooked in the reduced stock from the boil. This is layered with blanched almonds, powdered sugar, and cinnamon. And then the whole lot is then wrapped in foie de brick, a crepe-like dough. After baking to a golden crispiness, the final touch is a dusting of even more cinnamon and sugar. It's got a sweet, savory thing going on. And it's quite tasty. If you get nervous when you go in a room and you touch the light switch and the lights don't come on, you shouldn't be in this country. <laughs> what was that first moment you said, you know, I could live here? I, I... I'm still quite unsure about that. Um, <laughs> Now, I came here first in 1958, when it was quite different. Um, everyone wore native dress. Yes. But Islam still the throbbing motor of life here. I have a very tender um, feelings for um, Morocco and the friendliness and courtesy of the people and of the children who, ah, you know, they don't say off granddad like they no, do in no, England. No, no, they no, say, bonjour, no. monsieur, ça va bien. I always feel welcome here. I never consider that uh, this is mine. It's theirs, and they've allowed me to live here in a very nice way, and I feel recognition. They know who I am. They know who I am. There is a side-by-side -side aspect to life here that's very unusual. Very um, unusual here. It's mostly... You can do whatever you want if you do it with good manners. But it is a sort of a station of the cross for, you know, the bad boys of, cu of culture. I yeah. mean, Verlaine, Rambo, Iggy Pop, The Stones, Burroughs and Geisen. And Burroughs writes about, he came here to be a writer. He was a junkie before he was a writer. As so many of us were. But I, I think this was a place where you wanted to think of yourself as a writer. You would come here and somehow you were working within a romantic tradition. Yes. Burroughs said right up front. Yes. To me, a writer from when I was a little boy, a writer was a guy who lounged around in a smoking jacket or a caftan, smoking a hash pipe or an opium pipe. Yes. In a beautifully anointed house littered with uh, uh, sleeping boys. Yes. Um, or girls. <laughs> to what extent did that world exist and to what extent did, was that world created by the people who? showed up with that expectation. Since Bill departed, R.I.P., dear, wonderful, marvelous man, since he's gone, it's a bit, it's a bit tame now. It's a bit it is tame. tame. Well, he, he, he was genteel now. He was, a, he was the very opposite of genteel. He yes. was an outlaw for every society. My husband knew him very well, and he was telling me, yes, Bill, and I said, he said I cured him of being a drug addict. I said, how? He said I turned him into an alcoholic. <laughs> Who smokes hashish at this table? Please raise your hand. Is the camera on? It's my last night in Tangier, and I'm headed out. Casablanca one? Thank you, yes. Most cities of the Islamic world, getting a beer can be difficult. Not here. Long as you're outside the Medina, nearly anything goes. Tangier reverts to its libertine past. Here, Western influences become very apparent. 
كل Any night of the week is a good night for young Moroccans to take to the streets of the Ville Nouveau. Otman Nosaire is from a generation of Moroccans far removed from the romantic conceits of the Bowles Burroughs era. He's invited me out for a casual snack. Bocadillos. Spanish-style sandwiches with tuna, veggies, hard-cooked eggs, and a healthy wad of mayo. A crispy layer of french fries within the sandwich. This is delicious, <laughs> by the way. The bread here is very good. You work in a magazine, uh, journalist. I, yeah, I'm not a journalist, but I, I own a, an urban magazine here in Tangier to inform Moroccans we are living in a place that's pretty special. It's not for any purpose that William Burroughs or Paul Bowles or Henri Matisse, all these people came to Tangier. The city has something which makes it different from other, you know, from other cities. Well, what about y young artists, young writers, young musicians? Did they come here expecting this romantic Paul Bowles wonderland of the 50s. Some were, uh, some were, I'm gonna say, too uh, bohemian. Too bohemian. <laughs> yeah, because uh, they thought that, like, you know, coming and being an artist... Right. Is gonna be enough. It's gonna be enough. It's not, today is not sure. enough. Yeah. Right, yeah. It's pretty tough for them, and uh, most of them pack their bags. Right. Uh, today we have so many investments going on here in Tangier. Thanks to our king, uh, investors are, are here. Uh, been attracted, tourists are attracted. But the most important part of it is that we should keep the old parts of the city intact. The Kasbah, the Medina. The Medina. That's what's hard to, to do because when you have a, a European purchasing power coming over here to Tangier. They come. Well, like we come. We embrace it. Other people want to come. And then we all up. Will, will Tangier's unique character survive? I hope so. <laughs> I really hope so. Tangier is Morocco. Always was Morocco. And recently, the country's leadership seems to have embraced it in all its ill-reputed glory. The days of predatory poets in search of literary inspiration and young flesh are probably over for good. Hippies can just as easily get their bong rips in Portland or Peoria. But the good stuff, the real good stuff, the sounds and smells and the look of Tangier, what you see and hear when you lean out the window and take it all in, that's here to stay.